you know, if you ask the question, what is Google like? And the answer is Google. They like Google. That's it. What is Google like Google? That's it. If you want to get more leads from Google, be on Google. Okay. And so uh, you combine that with that stat I said before, 60 to 80% of calls can be directly attributed to Google. That's just where the effort should be put. That's where the calls are on. I'm not saying that you can't make money on Avo or you can't make money on lawyers.com. I'm not saying any of those things. But what I am saying is that the bulk of lead gen opportunities are absolutely going to be coming from Google My Business. So you want to put the effort into Google My Business. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Answering Legal's Everything Except the Law podcast. I am your host, Nick Worker. <laughs> if this is your first time tuning in, this is the podcast where we share expert advice on all the parts of running a law firm that attorneys weren't exactly trained for back in law school. Now, today on the show, we're going to be discussing Google Business Profile. Many of you probably know it by its former name, Google My Business. In this episode, we're going to be discussing how to get set up with a Google Business Profile and how to really make the most of your Google Business Profile account. And for this discussion, we're going to be relying on the expertise of Ronnie Deaver, who is the founder of No Bull Marketing and makes his living helping lawyers utilize Google's platforms. So let's get started. Ronnie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being here. And I got to say, I love the name of your podcast. And I, and I love that you mentioned that they don't teach you a lot of things in law school. I meet so many lawyers who say, you know, they, they, they taught me about the law, but they didn't teach me how to be a lawyer or to run a business or, or anything, right? Uh, so they need this podcast. I'm so glad you're doing it. We did a, a survey. Sorry to cut you off. We did a survey right before uh, we named the podcast. I asked a bunch of my friends who uh, have gone to law school, um, obviously our lawyers. And then we asked a couple of our customers what they thought and, uh, and did research on what people were looking for. And we called it everything except the law. Uh, yeah. We had like a bunch of other punny names. <laughs> Everybody who comes on here that I could kind of tell they haven't researched the show maybe, and they just wanted to do a podcast appearance. Um, they're like, oh yeah, they don't teach you this stuff in law school. And I'm like, bingo, that's the motto. Um, that's the motto, man. Yeah. Well, and that's what we're here to do. Exactly. So let's talk more about you. Um, can you introduce yourself? Um, tell us a little bit about your marketing background. Yeah, man. Uh, so, hey guys, my name is Ronnie Deaver, the founder of Noble Marketing. been working with lawyers, yay, yay, four plus years. So I've worked with probably about 200 over, you know, 200 plus legal campaigns uh, and have found a love and passion uh, for lawyers. I find you guys, uh, and I'm speaking to the audience here, you guys like willingly volunteer to involve yourself with people during their most emotionally heightened uh, periods of their lives ever. Like, and you're like, yeah, I'll raise my hand. I'll get involved in that, right? Like that's, you know, that's not what most people want to do, right? <laughs> like you see somebody, you know, having a fight with their, their spouse. And the last thing you want to do is try to be an intermediary, right? <laughs> but here you guys are making a business out of it. And I think you guys do great work. And uh, so long decided to go that, hey, these are the guys I want to help. And uh, I found a deep passion for, you know, great. Okay. There's a lot of marketing you can do. And I hear so many lawyers like, yeah, we can do Facebook marketing. We can do LinkedIn marketing. We can do Google marketing. We can do referrals and we can do this or this and that. And I kept seeing them just getting so spread thin and distracted. And I was like, wait, wait, there's got to be something, right? Just something that they can put all their effort in, or at least the majority of their effort in and get to a far more sustainable, profitable level in a fairly quick time, right? Without having to exhaust themselves in a bunch of channels, which kind of led me here today to finding that my specialty and what I love is, as you said, Google business, but for what most people call Google, my business profile that users haven't updated yet. And the reason for that is, in tracking those 200 campaigns, I discovered, uh, and I was using very thorough lead tracking, every call, every form fill, every live chat, I discovered about 60 to 
of every call a lawyer generated could be directly or indirectly attributed to Google My Business. And so what I found was all roads lead to Google My Business. doesn't matter how you do it. The first thing people do, they Google your name, they find your Google My Business, and they look at your reviews. It's the name of the game now. I find that so interesting because I remember more, more so like five to 10 years ago, the big thing that, uh, that people or, or marketers were selling to lawyers was the future of local SEO yep. um, and doing all these things to get, to get into the local this and the local that, um, which I'm not here to say is, uh, is not good advice, but I think most people have at least heard of Google My Business or Google Business Profile as it's now known. Um, but can you, like, I know you've done a lot of research. Can you give our audience a little bit more information on what Google, my business pro uh, I'm still calling it the old thing Google <laughs> business profile actually is and why it's so important for, for growing law practices and, uh, and how they can sort of tap into this, this, uh, this lead gen tool that you've, you've, you've harnessed. Heck of a question there, Nick. That's kind of <laughs> give a dissertation here on, <laughs> on it all. But but no, really, you know, I, I appreciate that you mentioned local SEO. And uh, I'd actually say local SEO is still around. Uh, it really it, it's taken form now in Google My Business. I don't think anybody expected that or Google Business. And forgive me ever, guys, I haven't made the transition fully to Google Business either. So I'm probably just gonna say I'm gonna call it Google My Business and please understand what I mean. Accept our fate. One day I'll Thank switch. You. I'm not there yet. Yeah. Um, it's been that way for five years, man. <laughs> Not going to switch overnight, okay? Um, but anyways, uh, you know, local SEO has really turned into Google My Business profile. Um, a lot of the effort you would put into getting recognized locally has gone into Google My Business, and the reason for that is, if you were to look at a typical Google search, it basically has three fundamental sections. Okay, you've got the ad section. Everybody knows Google Ads. They've added some new components, uh, for example, like local um, local service ads, right? So those you'll see the images of like a face of a lawyer, uh, for example. Uh, so, but that's still a Google ad, right? And then your standard text ad, right, that you'll see there, or display ads, whatever. Point is, you got ads, right? Uh, and then now, right, and this didn't used to be true. This is a cool transition. Now, the second thing you see is actually Google My Business. It's the map pack, right? Google Business, it's the map. The first thing you see is reviews and local lawyers, right? Otherwise known as the three pack, the map pack, Google Business, Google My Business. It's got a lot of different names. But either way, that actually now shows up before, and this didn't used to be true, before what has now been you know, delegated to the bottom, which is traditional SEO, all right? Like when people are saying, I want my website to rank one, they were talking about traditional SEO, right? And nowadays, right, and this is why local SEO is kind of the name of the game for a local lawyer or Google My Business. Again, for me, those are the same thing. Local SEO, Google My Business, they are, it's the same thing nowadays. Uh, the reason that's so important now is that if you were to look at this search, even if you say like family lawyer, Boston, Massachusetts, and you do that, you see the ads first, you'd see Google My Business second. And then the third thing you see is those traditional results, but you'll see that all of those are owned by like super lawyers and lawyers.com and Avo and Justia and Yelp and Martindale Hubble. And I don't know about you, but I don't think you've got $100,000 a month to try to beat those guys. It's not going to happen, right? Those guys are spending millions per year to own that spot. Not to mention the just a sheer user base and content that they're pumping out to actually own that spot, okay? So traditional SEO as we've known it, and arguably what local SEO would have been argued for, as you said, five, 10 years ago, would be a specific search that would you know, you know have that every individual city and every individual borough and every individual street and every individual, uh, bring it down to the next house next door, like 105 unit three, right? Like 
You could go as far as you wanted down to that. People would go crazy. I mean, I would meet people like they had a thousand pages for every street on every corner on every everything. And then their their theory was at the time was, ah, if somebody does a Google search for that street or that corner plus lawyer or plus family law plus whatever, I'm going to get that local SEO result. And the reality was that was cool for like two years. And then Google was like, "Mm, I don't think our users like this. So we're going to consolidate all of these results into the best thing, right? So like all those streets, it it knows the county, right? It knows the zip code. So it's just going to say, all right, everything in this area, we're just going to pick the best one. You're not going to get a separate ranking anymore. Okay, there was a huge consolidation effort that happened a couple of years ago. I think it was like five plus years ago where all of a sudden there's this consolidation of, okay, we're really just going to do the ones that we think are most relevant to a certain like geographic area. And on top of that, we're not going to let you rank a page more than once for that same search, right? Because what used to happen was somebody could do all that effort and then they get the rank one and then maybe they could get the rank two and the rank three. And Google's like, nah, man, you can't do that no more, <laughs> right? And so it's it's all now just one result from each from each um, uh, competitor, okay? Uh, so anyways, the point is local SEO, as it was known then, kind of just died there on that, on that sword of, hey, everything got consolidated. So the idea that you could compete for some local long-term, long-tail thing, um, in my opinion, died. I think there's many people who would still argue that there's a role and a place for this. Uh, and I just haven't found that to be true. I haven't found it to be profitable. Maybe if you've got a bunch of money to throw at it, you could <laughs> getting an extra couple hundred visitors or thousand visitors, you can turn that into money. I'm not saying that there isn't a role, but for the majority of lawyers, uh, getting a couple hundred people on your website, even if you did succeed, that doesn't really turn into much money. Like the conversion rate of a traffic on your website is like 3% at best. And it's usually like 1%. Okay. So a hundred visitors that you worked your butt off to get turns into three calls. Okay. So yeah. Can you turn three calls into a bunch of money? Sure. I mean, it depends how good you are at sales and how good those calls are. Chances are that's, that's not actually going to work very well. It's not likely. Okay. So local SEO as it was is dead. So now that I've kind of covered the background here, that brings us all now. Okay. The second thing that you actually see, if you're not going to do ads, which I still recommend for people who have the budget, but if you're not going to do that, the bulk where people actually go, they do, as you know, skip ads and they go to the second thing, which is Google business profile, right? The map pack. Okay. And so, as I said, I actually tracked that. Okay. And I, I did about 200 campaigns and on all of those campaigns, I tracked every call, every form fill, every live chat, every, everything from every source. And it didn't matter if I was working with a business that had a website that only got 300 visitors a month. Versus a business, they got 20,000 visitors a month, right? Huge. That's huge for a lawyer. 20,000? Holy cow, right? It's a big number. 20,000 visitors a month. It didn't matter. 60 to 80% of their calls came directly or indirectly from Google My Business, which meant somebody called from Google My Business or they clicked to the website and I tracked that they clicked from Google My Business to the website and then called on the website. So that's really a Google My Business call. It's not a website call, Okay. And of those, and here's the real crazy stat, and this is why I say all roads lead to Google My Business, 75% of the people that we attributed to Google My Business called without ever looking at the website. They didn't look at it. They called directly from Google Business. They didn't, they didn't even bother going to the website. They didn't click the website. So not only did the majority of calls get attributed to Google Business, of those majority of calls, a majority of them get attributed without ever going to the website. Okay. So like Google My Business, or <laughs> now I'm getting all my terms, <laughs> Google Business Profile like, I, I, I'm not just a fanboy because I think it's a cool platform. I'm a fanboy because the data doesn't lie, right? I've ran 200 campaigns and every time I look at the data, every time, 60 to 80%, the average is like 73% of calls can be directly or indirectly attributed to Google business. And again, if you think about that, hey, you ran that billboard campaign, what's the first thing somebody does? They don't remember your ad. 
They Google your name. And what do they see? Google business profile. You ran that Facebook ad that went to a landing page. Oh, that's cool. I'm interested. I'm gonna go check out your reviews. What do I do? I Google your name. I go to Google business, right? It doesn't matter what you do. The first thing somebody sees inevitably when they look into you is Google business profile. So that's why Google business profile uh, is so relevant. And I can dive more into what you can do, but I think that's a better separate question as we get further on in the interview. I agree. And uh, you just took me back because uh, listen, search evolves, right? And Google yep. obviously makes, I would say, semi-annual to 18 month uh, revolving changes um, yep. that, that really shake things up. But but also it, it just keeps up with, uh, with the way that users use search. Yep. Um, and I forgot that, honestly, you, you used to be able to take over a whole page, first of all. Yeah, uh, it, you could like, have 10 results if you wanted to. We used to call it a conquest <laughs> campaign. Like, make <laughs> That's a, a throwback, make, man. Make a this type page, make a blog post. Here's your social profile. Here's a listing on this site. Uh, make sure that you get a guest post on another site. That's right. Oh, it was crazy. Um, and now it really does. And, and reviews are so important. And, and that's kind of what I want to what a segue into with Google business profile. But I do want to discuss beginning steps um, because I feel like in order to get to the level of success that you're talking about, you need to have a good foundation. So yeah, what kind of like basic checklist of things um, can law firms get done with the setup of their Google business profile that will set them up for future success. Yeah, absolutely. There's two kind of principles I want to talk about before I talk about specific tactics, okay? And the first principle I want people to realize and recognize is that Google business profile is a living profile. It is it is more like a social platform than it is a one and done directory listing, okay? It's not like Avo, it's not like lawyers.com, it's not like justia.com. It's not a place where you set it and forget it, not in the least. Okay, so there's a lot of work you can do not only to set it up and we'll talk about foundations, but also a lot of work that you can do on the ongoing side of things to keep boosting up how well you rank and how many calls you actually generate from the platform. Okay, the second kind of principle I want to get into people's minds is that Google My Business, if you were to convert this, like how would you know what is traditional marketing convert to in the online world? Okay, Um, direct mail might be email marketing, right? Um, Word of mouth might be social media. Now let's talk about what what are referrals on the internet world, okay? Well, in the internet world, Google My Business is effectively the online equivalent of referrals. And what I mean by that is like, what do you need to do to get referrals in the real world? Well, people need to trust you. They need to think you're an expert, right? And they need to think that you're an authority, okay? And they want people to talk well about you. All right, so what's Google gonna do? Well, Google wants to see that people trust you. They leave good reviews frequently. They wanna feel like you're an authority. So they wanna see that you know everything about your space. They wanna see if you're, for example, if you're a criminal lawyer, can you tell them about every type of drug crime? Can you tell Google about every type of sex crime? Can you tell them about, I mean, break it out, right? Content shows, what are you an expert in? Do you actually know this space? You just say you're a criminal lawyer or can you tell me on the individual crime level that I can help you with federal, white collar? uh, I mean, break it down, okay? so. That's the expert side. And of course, uh, the authority side, that's that's kind of built up over time. Like, have you been around for a long time? Have you been consistent over time? Have you showed up as an expert, trustworthy expert over time, over and over and over again? All that's the same is the true. That's all true in the referral world, right? Like people get to know you and they trust you based on a bunch of other people speaking well of you, a bunch of other people having worked with you, you consistently showing up as an expert, consistently showing up as having that trust. But now you have a place where it's permanently recorded. 
okay? And so when you think about what do you need to do to succeed on the Google business platform, it's just, okay, it's the same stuff of what you do to get a referral business rolling, right? Consistently show up with expertise and build trust and put that effort in over time and Google's gonna reward you, okay? So like keep those two principles in mind and, and you'll succeed quite well with Google business profile. It's not black magic. There's no like, at this point, it's really not gray hat, black hat stuff. Like you can do that and I'm sure it has some benefits short-term, but like the big gains that I see people make over time is really just so they're a darn good provider. That's it, right? Like they just, they're just experts who have authority that people trust consistently over time. That's it. That's all it takes, okay? But it's just grunt work. It's just work, right? So when people pay me to do that work, they're paying me because I, I say, look, I'm gonna do the grunt work that you don't wanna do, okay? Now, you, as long as you're a good business and I do the grunt work, we have a great relationship, right? But it's not a black magic pill. There's no like, you know, secret tip to this and all of a sudden you're gonna dominate everybody. It's like, no, just put the work in over time and build that expertise. But going from there, let's talk about, you know, what are the actual basics here of what you need to do? So I'm gonna cover on a high level because we're, we don't wanna go too far into this. It'll be a very long uh, podcast otherwise. But I did actually do a podcast uh, where I dived in specifically to the details, like a tutorial of exactly what you would need to do and how you do it. So I'm going to ask Nick to link that. That was actually recorded with uh, top 1.5% uh, podcaster and lawyer, Susan Guthrie. Okay. And it was a podcast I did specifically on how to optimize Google My Business. So check that out if you really want the details. It's about an hour long, hence a longer podcast. And it's just a tutorial. But anyways, when you're talking about the foundations of what do you need to do to set up Google My Business for success? The most obvious one that everyone's going to talk to you about is, hey, make sure you put as much information on there as possible, right? And that's obvious. Fill out your description, fill out your phone number, fill out your hours, fill, I mean, fill it out, okay? That's obvious. But what people don't usually talk about is, okay, but there's some other things that Google has put in place where you can put even more details and really prove that you're an expert on your topic. And there's the, the two functions here are services and products. So when you log into business.google.com on the far left side, when you go down towards the bottom, you'll have an option for services. And if you dive into that, you can break out your business into 50 to 100 different services. Okay, so for example, with my criminal lawyers, I break that out into 115 services on average, okay? Because they're not just a criminal lawyer, right? They also do Xanax crime lawyer. They also do white collar crime lawyer. They also do marijuana crime lawyer. They also do manslaughter a lawyer. They also do, I mean, you can break this out into every single type of criminal case. Okay. And what that does is one, it proves to Google that you're an expert, that you actually do all these different things. Okay. Uh, secondly, one of the cool things it does is it makes you look more competitive because that shows up when somebody does a Google search, they often do searches like marijuana, a crime lawyer near me because they, they want somebody for their type of law. They don't want a generalist, they want a specialist. And what ends up happening is that Google actually shows a little note on your profile that says provides marijuana defense lawyer. Okay, if you put that service. If you don't put that service, it, it may, if you mention it on your website, which most people don't, it might say website mentions marijuana defense, or it's gonna say nothing at all. It's just gonna say criminal defense lawyer and you're just an average generalist, okay? But if you put that service in the back there, right, which not only helps you rank just because Google understands you're an expert and proves you, but it also gives you a better conversion rate when somebody does show, you see your listing because you look like, oh man, these guys provide exactly what I'm looking for. That only shows up if you put that grunt work in to put 50 to 100 services on the back end. And I found pretty much any, any space of law can be divided at least into 50 to 100 different services, okay? Now, another tool, same thing, far left side, below services, there's gonna be an option for products. Products and services for our purposes 
are effectively the same thing. Okay. Now you're not actually selling your business on a product unless you do value-based pricing. If you do do value-based pricing, you could even put your pricing there if you wanted to, if you want to be that transparent. But a product is more of a more visual kind of, I call it a front end thing where you can tell people, hey, I'm a divorce lawyer or I'm a mediation lawyer. Or I'm a, and again, you break it out. You maybe don't break it out as much, right? So for example, on a product, I usually say drug crime lawyer. I don't bother separating that out into like Xanax lawyer, marijuana lawyer. I did that on the services in the back end. I don't need to do it on the front end. You can if you want. It's just, it's a lot of work because you're also adding photos, long descriptions, links to your website. Like it's, it's very, it's very detailed. Um, so you can go as far as you want with it. I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm just saying yeah, it's some diminishing returns of whether or not it's worth it mm. on the product side. Uh, but then you can really fill out all your products. And at that point, you know, usually I add maybe 30 products. So then I've got a hundred services, 30 products, a fully filled out profile with description, year started, information, all that filled out, okay? And that kind of forms what I like to call your foundation for Google My Business. Now, I'm not gonna discredit here, guys, that there is a, a function for on-page SEO, okay? So your, your, your standard kind of traditional SEO, it still has a role to play. We're not gonna go too deep into it, but still have your website optimized, right? Meta titles, meta descriptions, image alt text, local schema, all your standards. If you don't know what that stuff is, I can only just say Google it. You got a lot to go into or call me and I'll, I'll explain it to you. I don't mind. But um, your technical SEO still has a role to play because even with Google My Business, Google My Business and or Google, they scan your website all the time. And they're trying to understand what are you an expert in? What do people trust you in? What are you consistently publishing about? They want to understand you. Okay. So your on-page SEO absolutely impacts your Google My Business campaign. So combine on-page SEO basics with Google My Business basics, i.e. filling out the profile entirely. And that really establishes your foundation so that we can move forward and we can talk more about your ongoing side of things. What can you do to keep uh, being more competitive on Google My Business? I love how you're able to take such um, a complicated topic and make it sound so simple. Uh, yeah, man. It's easy. Like, oh, yeah. I just break it out into these 115 terms that I came up with and I tape them all in and then I fill them all out for my, my, my clients and then I write <laughs> descriptions about it. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I understand all that. And I mean, I'll be real, man. It takes like 10 hours, right? To do exactly. one setup. That's why people pay me, right? That's why I tell people like, hey man, this isn't, this isn't magic. It's just grunt work. That's it. Like, how do you win? You put more work in the next guy. That's it. Like the other guys aren't putting this work and I'll look at it. They don't put products. They don't put services. They, they don't do any of it. They didn't optimize their website. They might've done that because somebody said SEO is important. They don't know why they did it, but they did it. Right? <laughs> like, so again, it's, there's no magic here. It's just, yeah, I'm being off the cuff. I'm like, yeah, just put the grunt work in. That's it. That's it. Just put the work in. So one thing that I am really curious about, um, because like I mentioned, uh, I've been around doing SEO for a while. And yeah. one of the things that was always so important in local SEO was to have consistency, yep. consistency throughout all of your listings, wherever you're listed, Avo, Justia, Fine Law, I don't know, any of those places where you get like a citation. Yeah. Um, Name, address, phone number, consistency, nap. Exactly. Uh, and, and like it, the address portion of it was always very important because yep. up until COVID-19, uh, a lot of people had addresses. So what I'm curious about is because there are more and more firms that are like ditching the, the typical physical office space and making the switch to running their practice virtually, yep. um, what can, what, what can and should they do differently when it comes to getting set up with, with Google business profile? Is there anything that they need to do differently? Yeah, I mean, they're gonna have to do some workarounds. I'm gonna tell you this. First of all, there is absolutely no way currently, so don't bother wasting your time. There is no way 
to successfully generate leads with Google My Business without a physical location. There just isn't. Just flat out, there isn't. There is no workaround. You don't want what there, there are, but there's no like one that means you don't have to have an address of some kind. Um, there's You don't want to do a local service where you have like a service area. You get no leads from that. You don't show up at all. There's no competitiveness. It's a waste of time. Uh, you have to have a physical address of some sort. And before we go any further, I want to address the annoyance that that is. I get it. I get it. It's so frustrating. It's like, oh, we're a modern world. I want to be able to compete. But, but let me give you a little bit of backstory of why that exists. And the long story short of it is that there was a time period that Google didn't require that. Okay. And they made it really easy that you could get a location in a city, right? Without having a very, you could ever use a PO box. So you could use a co-working spot. You could use a mail forwarding service. You could use endless options. Okay. And here's what happened. All the big companies with all the money created thousands of listings, thousands thousands, all of them, Morgan and Morgan, every single city in the United States, they just crushed it. They didn't even bother putting reviews on it. They just created new listings. And guess what? They're freaking Morgan and Morgan. You know, who has more authority than you Morgan and Morgan, right? They've got way more authority than you. And so it didn't matter. They didn't have reviews. First of all, everyone already knew Morgan and Morgan. And second of all, they already had the authority on their website. So their Google business profiles in thousands of cities dominated. Okay. And of course, not only Morgan and Morgan got involved, all the other big players got involved. So then all of a sudden, all your little local players no longer existed on the map. Okay. And if they did, they barely did. Okay. Because you're up against freaking Morgan and Morgan in a city where Morgan and Morgan doesn't even exist. They just created a listing because they could. Okay. So the reason this happens, and I know it's frustrating. It's so assy. So many lawyers get so angry about it, like, but I want to be virtual. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. But you want this protection. You really do because you're going to get crushed right? The moment we make this able for you to do it without a location, trust me, the guys with money are going to do it. And Google business becomes irrelevant. Okay. It just becomes another ad platform for Morgan and Morgan to crush you. Okay. So this is a necessary evil. Okay. So accept that. Be, uh, say thank you to the Google gods, because otherwise this wouldn't be a profitable profile for you in the least. Okay. So a little bit of background on that, uh, but moving from there. Okay. Saying, what are you actually going to do to, to get a location uh, verified, even if you don't have an actual physical office in a city? Well, there's two options. Uh, one, if you've got a home address in that city, use a home office if you're willing to expose your address. That's the easiest option by far. I know a lot of lawyers who, they still have a home somewhere, right? That like say I have a guy who's in Orlando, okay? He lives in, say like Winter Park, right? Which is a fairly well-off part of Orlando. Uh, and, you know, he didn't want to use his physical location, his actual home because he didn't want people to show up. And I'm like, well, you could do that, but like, this makes a lot of money. So you either want money or you're going to have to do another workaround, which we'll talk about in a second. So, and he decided, okay, well, it's worth it to me, the money to take that risk. And like most people, they're not going to come show up in your house, right? That doesn't really happen. No, very few people, they're going to call you first. And then, and then they talk to you like, and you just say, Hey, we only do online and the problem solved. It never happens, right? It happens every now and then. I'm not going to say it never happens, but it does happen. Uh, it doesn't happen often, I should say. So that's the easiest workaround. If you can use your home address and you don't have the financial means to do something more fancy than that, um, at which point you don't really care what I'm saying anyways, if you have the money. Um, but if you don't have the financial means, uh, really just kind of get, get over it and use your address because the money you're going to make from this profile is well worth it. I know many lawyers easily make $15,000, $25,000 a month just from this profile, not from any other thing, just this. Okay. And, and they often they do way better than that, especially depending on the market. So start there. If you can't do that for whatever reason, say you live in a different city than you serve. So I know somebody who they serve Arizona. They don't live in Arizona. They live in like New York and go to Portugal all the time. Okay. I get that. That's cool. So what you got to do in that case scenario is you need to make a deal with some other local non-competitive business. Okay. And this can be done fairly cheaply. Go to some local dentist. Yes. It requires a little bit of work. Go to a local dentist 
and say, hey man, I'll pay you $100 a month to sign this lease agreement that says I can use one of your back offices for one day of the month out of 30 days, okay? Give an actual lease agreement, pay them 100 bucks a month for that and say, hey, will you, will you accept my mail? Will you check my mail? And a lot of people are like, yeah, 100 bucks for you to never use this office and check your mail every now and then? Sure, yeah, I'll take 100 bucks. Or if it's a friend, you know, any non-competitive. I wouldn't suggest doing it you know, with another competitive lawyer in the same office. I don't suggest that. You, I've seen people do it, it can work. Um, but it's not my recommended option. But point is work with non-competitive. You can get real, I've had somebody do it in a barbershop. Okay. Like that's fine. It doesn't matter. Just, just have a physical location of some kind that you have a legitimate lease agreement with. Like if it's a friend, you can just pay him a dollar a month. It doesn't have to be a hundred. I just picked that number because assuming you didn't know them, that's what they'd probably want to accept at minimum. Okay. But if you had a friend, you can do a dollar a month. So anyways, make that deal with them lease agreement, then go make that uh, appeal to Google saying, Hey, this is my address. And what they're probably going to do is they're probably going to suspend your listing or they're going to ask for verification. They're going to do the postcard. They may accept it. Eventually, they may come back to you and say, hey, we're not really sure about this address. We really want you to verify it in some other ways. And so they're going to say, hey, send me a lease agreement, which lo and behold, you actually have, right? Because we just signed it. So you give them that lease agreement, which solves that. Or if they say, hey, I really want some signage, you say, oh, okay, give me a minute. You go buy a $50 plaque online from Vistaprint. You walk your happy self over to that dentist, okay? Or you just travel there once or you ship it to the dentist and say, hey, look, as a favor, I'll pay one of your staff members 250 bucks to just put this, this plaque on front of one of your doors in an office and then take a photo. And then they send you that photo and you give that to Google and Google's Philippine support staff, no offense to them, but they don't fully know what's going on. Um, you send it to them and they approve it. So because to combine that with, you got a lease agreement, right? You've got an address you can send mail to because you postcarded it. And if you had to, you can actually, you can put a plaque on a door in an office that you have a lease agreement to use and you're good to go. You're going to get verified. Okay. So there are workarounds, but there are no workarounds that don't mean you don't have some sort of address. And that protects you. That's a good thing. Never thought about doing that. Um, the, the most clever thing that I've heard uh, that reminds me of that is uh, I was working with this guy and uh, you know how like competitors will buy each other's ads online. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, my competitor will buy answering legal. I'll buy somebody else's name and this, that, the third. And yeah. I was like, oh, it's so annoying that like we all have to buy each other's name and spend all this money on, on like low converting rate keywords. Yeah. And he was like, why don't you just call them up and ask them if you can mutually agree to not buy each other's name. And this way you save on the Google tax. Nice. And I thought it was genius. Um, so we're, we're, I'm currently working on doing that, but I never thought that like, oh, if I wanted to, Say I wanted to make this entire business virtual. I, I could. I would just pay. Just make a deal. Just make a deal. I mean, people yeah, are pretty reasonable, especially if you're willing to compensate them. And um, the thing is, it's worth the money. You know, if you're making fifteen, twenty-five thousand dollars, exactly. I mean, you could be paying. You could be paying a full lease. Honestly, I've had people where like it's even worth it to pay for a full lease, and then they just sublease their own office out. Right. That's what they do. So they go pay fifteen thousand, fifteen hundred dollars a month, up to three thousand dollars a month for an office, and then they just sublease it to somebody else. Sometimes they make a profit on it if they're smart enough. So. <laughs> Sorry, but these are the things that like, you know, we joke around that uh, these things aren't taught in law school, but this is something that like you as a business person thought about, tried it out, got it to work and said, oh, okay, I can replicate this process for lawyers and help them yeah. sort of capitalize on this Google business profile, even though they, they want to be virtual. So, I mean, really what you're doing is, is providing a valuable service and people think like, oh, that's a little schemey, but People are getting paid. People are getting compensated. You have a real lease agreement, which is why you're- Well, that, I'm very strict on that. I, I, ethics matter a lot to me, okay? And that's why I, I don't suggest lying. I don't suggest um, you know, doing it in ways that are non-legit. So for example, Google really doesn't like 
co-working spots. Okay. And they don't like PO boxes and they don't like mail forwarding and they don't like things that don't have a legit office. Okay. So you'll see, I don't recommend those things because first of all, you're eventually going to get caught and you're not going to be able to prove it because they know when you're at a Regus and they know when you're at um, a co-working spot. And I see a lot of people with Regus, they get away with it for maybe a year or two. Eventually they get suspended and they're not going to approve a Regus. You can't prove it. There's no way. First of all, they know your lease agreement is Regus. So they don't care if you put it, you can't do the plaque thing. Cause again, they know you're in Regus, so they don't care. So there's no way around it, right? They just don't like until you get out of Regus. I've seen a guy lose their listing, you know, and, and they it lose, yeah. quote unquote. They can get it back. They just have to get another office, right? And actually move it. But the point is I don't advise those things. I'm not advising anything that I think is actually breaking Google's terms of service or anything they don't like. That's why I'm saying, no, no, no. Either do it in a home you own with an office you own. Your home office is a legit, that's a taxable thing. That's legit. A home office is legit. You get taxed for that. Or you can get tax breaks for it. It's real, right? Like people ask you that. You know, this is a home office. How many how many square feet of your home do you use as a home office? That's a tax deduction, okay? That's legit. Or if you have a legitimate lease agreement, okay? So I again, I'm very big on the ethics and um, you're, you're not breaking anything and doing it this way. Now that may change one day and I'll have to change my advice. But as of 523, 2022, I'm not aware <laughs> at 3.40 p.m. <laughs> I am not. watch that I'm wearing. <laughs> as far as I'm aware to this date, you're not breaking any terms of service and you're not doing anything unethical as long as you either use an office you truly do own uh, or you have a lease agreement with somebody uh, that you legitimately have a lease agreement for and, and are paying. You know, Even if it's a friend, it's a dollar a month. That's an agreement. It's contract. It's real um, to do that and uh, you can get around it. But you have to do it and it's worth the money. It really is. You could be making tens of thousands of dollars off this. So, uh, or again, the third option of just lease an office anyways and then sublease it to somebody. Problem solved. <laughs> like, I, just, you I have just find that so creatively like unique, uh, uh, you know, there, there's a problem. Yeah. Well, people get into the penny pinching, but then they don't realize the numbers that they're throwing out, right? They're so worried about, Oh my gosh, I'm going to spend $3,000 a month. And I'm like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. first of all, even if you did spend $3,000 a month, that's like one case. Okay. So like in most industries, unless you're like doing some really transactional stuff, like, like, like I'm thinking about an estate planning wills can be like 500 bucks to a thousand bucks. That's kind of what I'm thinking. But even in most places like family law, the average is like 2,500, $3,000, $5,000. And depending if you're doing high net worth, that's like 10,000. If you're doing high litigation, it's like 20,000. Like, so the point is like a single case for people can be worth a lot. Okay. But then they, all of a sudden they kind of forget that they kind of forget that all it takes is one case a month to pay for somebody like me, first of all, but also one case a month that they want to pay for an entire subleased office. And I'm like, do you think you're going to get one case a month? Yeah. Do you think you're probably going to get more than one? Probably. Right. Everyone says I will. Okay. What are you freaking out about? And then on top of that, I'm like, okay, right, you're paying 3000 a month to get this office. What happens if you sublease it? Well, I'll probably get at least you know $2,500 a month and I'm losing $500 a month. I'm like, you're paying $500 a month to get 10,000 to 15,000 off Google My Business. What are you complaining about? Like, this is a great deal, right? You can <laughs> subsidize your costs ROI. here. Yeah. It's a crazy ROI, it, 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 but they're not doing the math. They're just getting the penny pinching, right? And, 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 and that's not gonna get you very far. We will be right back after this short ad. I really just don't have a need for a receptionist anymore. Answering legal is part of my team, and it's an incredible partner to have in my legal practice. I'm Tony Grandinetti. I've used Answering Legal Services for the past two years, and I wish I retained Answering Legal 10 years earlier. Answering Legal's got my back 24 hours a day, seven days a week. My phones are answered, my clients' concerns are addressed. I can step out of a courtroom and return a call within minutes rather than hours. 
And that time frame is the difference between retaining a new client and losing that client to another law firm. If you wish to enhance your client base, improve your client satisfaction, and at the same time, reduce your overhead, then hire Answering Legal. I've been preaching this for years, right? And I don't think people ever understood the, the possible future ramifications of, uh, of collecting reviews on mm. Google. Mm -hmm. uh, people were like, oh, I could just collect testimonials and put them up and and then maybe record them and do this and post them here. And uh, just for years, I've been sort of pounding the table like, no, you got to get them on Google. Google is king. <laughs> it's the only platform that matters for reviews, man. <laughs> it's, it's the only platform that matters. So I'm going to I'll let you off the leash in, in just a second here. Um, <laughs> but I want to talk about specifically how Google reviews can impact a firm's online ranking and the number of call ins that the practice can receive through the Google business profile. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, reviews are huge. And as you said, the, the, one, the platform where you actually get the most benefit from uh, is going to be on the uh, Google platform. The reason for that is, you know, if you ask the question, what is Google like? And the answer is Google. They like Google. That's it. What is Google like Google? That's it. If you ever think like, what do you need to do to make Google happy? Like Google. That's it. I think that's the best <laughs> dad joke I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it's just truth, man. I'm not even trying to be funny, man. It's just the truth. And uh, Google likes Google. Okay. So if you want to get more leads from Google, be on Google. Okay. And so uh, you combine that with that stat I said before, 60 to 80% of calls can be directly attributed to Google. That's just where the effort should be put. That's where the calls are on. I'm not saying that you can't make money on Avo or you can't make money on lawyers.com. I'm not saying any of those things. But what I am saying is that the bulk of lead gen opportunities are absolutely going to be coming from Google My Business. So you want to put the effort into Google My Business. Now, speaking to like, okay, well, how much impact does a review actually have? You know, it's like, well, you know, most of my competitors, they only have like 25 or 30 or like there's some guys that have 400. I'm never going to beat that, right? Well, there's a couple of factors here I want to talk to people about. Uh, which is, uh, first of all, uh, understand the stats. So uh, this is a little bit anecdotal and I've heard it from a few different sources and a little bit of research. It's, it's hard to tell with Google, but I've heard that about 35% of the ranking factor on Google business is directly attributed to reviews. Okay, 35%, all right? And that's from two things. One, review velocity, which means how often do you get reviews? Okay, so for example, Google would rather you get two reviews a week than they'd rather you get eight reviews all at the start of the month. Okay. Like not, not that eight reviews isn't helpful. It absolutely is. But over time, that consistency is what Google wants to see. And that's where you're going to see that long-term gain. Okay. It's just consistently getting reviews because Google wants to see that velocity. And of course, review count is absolutely part of the actual factor. But if you take that percentage, again, 60 to 80% of your call volume can be directly or indirectly attributed to Google business. All right. And 35% of Google business's ranking can be attributed to reviews. Put another way, 25% of every single call you generate can be directly or indirectly attributed to your reviews on Google. 25%, 25% of your business is directly connected to reviews. And that's not even including the people who are referrals and then decide to call you because they looked at your reviews. Because sure, they get a referral, but if you're a referral and they have a 3.7 on Google business or you don't have enough reviews, they don't call you. They're like, eh, I feel better on my own Google search than this random lawyer, okay? So that's not even including those people. That's just the normal, like, <laughs> like new client, never heard of you, no referral, okay? so. Huge factor, 25% minimum is directly or indirectly impacted by reviews on specifically the Google platform. Not that the other platforms aren't helpful, but specifically the Google platform. So that's a bit of the stats. Now let's talk about, okay, well, 
what do we actually got to do to get reviews? Okay. And this is where I get the most pushback from lawyers. So, oh my God. There's so many lawyers. They all say the same thing. If anybody listening right now, whatever thought you've had so far about why you can't get reviews, trust me, every other lawyer in the entire nation has said it. I'm going to go through them. I just want to uh, back you up I, really quick. Oh, go for it. I'm about, to go, I'm about to go down, man. <laughs> yeah. Everything you're saying is stuff that I hear from lawyers all the time. So I'm, my, my, my facial expressions are just like, yeah, <laughs> nodding your head. Yeah, Been there, done this that. conversation before. Um, so whatever you're thinking in your head right now, I can guarantee Ronnie's going to answer it because I've heard this time and time again. Times. Sorry. Yeah. I just had to point out that. I appreciate the backup, man. This yeah. is, I, I've been, I've been drumming the drum too. I've been, yeah. been banging it, man. <laughs> yeah. I got you. Uh, but anyways, uh, so here are the most common uh, pushbacks I, I see from people. Uh, I'm a criminal lawyer. Nobody wants to leave a review about, you know, the criminal case they're at. And I'm like, first of all, yes, I understand. Second of all, did you ask them? No. Well, do you know then? No. I'm like, well, if you didn't ask, you don't know. All right. So first of all, you don't know what anybody's willing to expose online. I know people that go on Facebook saying I'm a felon. They just put it right out there. Whatever. Like they don't care. Half the time, some people use it as a bragging attribute. Okay. And some, in some demographics, they can say, yeah, man, I went to, I was a felon, went to jail. And the women, some women around them are like, yeah, I like that. Okay. Like there are women who do that and there are men who do that. So I'm not going to tell you that every single person who was a criminal lawyer, just because you wouldn't want to, if you went to jail, leave a review about your criminal, the criminal lawyer doesn't mean every single other person would. Okay. And that, that goes across the gambit, whether it's a family law, they don't want to talk about their divorce. It's estate planning. Well, they don't really care that much. It wasn't a fire under their butt or a personal injury, whatever. You can go down the list. I mean, everybody's got an excuse why somebody wouldn't. And I'm like, well, if you didn't ask, you don't know, don't speak for people. Okay. Then the most second common one is, but what if they leave a bad review and they're so scared of the bad review? And I'm going to give you the most honest thing I can say to anybody here, guys, please listen. Nobody cares about you that much. They don't. Let me ask you this. How many times have you gone to a restaurant with average food and you didn't bother to leave a bad review? You didn't care. You had better things to do. You want to go talk to your husband. You want to go talk to your wife. You want to go play mini golf. You want to go do anything else, but leave a review for that restaurant. You just don't care that much. All right. Unless they stole money from you, gave you food poisoning or were completely unethical. You don't care. You just move on with your life. Unless you're a Karen and forgive all the Karens listening. It's just a phrase that people understand. Unless you're a Karen and you just make your, you have some sense of pride out of giving feedback to everyone and everything about what they did well or not. Like, unless you're that. And of course, I'm not saying those people don't exist. They exist. They're the crazies. All right. But even if those people existed at a 10% rate, if you can get nine good reviews and one bad review, that's still like a 4.5 score rating. You're fine, right? Get those nine reviews or risk the one bad review because <laughs> most people aren't going to leave it. You can ask them and they're going to be like, yeah, sure. I'll leave a good enough review. Like, cool. Or they're going to be like, I love you, right? Like, or they're going to be like, nah, I don't really care. Right? And they just ignore you. Okay. I also like, want to point out that uh, a, a personal like guilty pleasure of mine is that when I hear about a bad review or I see a bad review, I love to read bad reviews about a place. Um, but you can always, like a rational person can always spot like the Karen type of review. The crazy people. Where the person yeah. just expected too much and maybe there was a misunderstanding. And you and you read that and there's nobody that says like, oh, I agree with that unless they're another one of those type of people. Well, then you get to dodge about. more crazy people. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> Then the crazy people don't call you. It's good. It's a win-win. But that's actually the third point here, which is that, uh, first of all, having no bad reviews is actually a bad thing. There's a threshold about 30 reviews where people start saying, you got no bad reviews. I don't believe you. These reviews are fake. They don't feel real. They don't feel like it's, it's a mental transition. You're just like, hmm, I want to see a few bad reviews. And most importantly, I want to see how you respond to it. And then I also want to see, okay, but what type of, what type of bad review? 
Because like if I do a product review and somebody like if somebody if I'm like Amazon, for example, and I, I see people leaving bad reviews and somebody's like, it came three days late. I'm like, it's not about the product, but I'm glad people got, you know, actually left a review. Okay, they got the product. Or somebody's like, uh, I got I got one bad one. I'm like, okay, well, lemons happen. That's no big deal. Right. But like if, if all I look for and I try to understand what are these bad reviews telling me about this person? Right. And most of the time, I mean, half the time, sometimes it's even like the opposing counsel or the opposing, like the person you beat in court left a review. Then I'm like, that supports this guy. Great. There's a person who lost leaving a bad review. That's awesome. That's a, that's basically a five-star review in my opinion. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So the point is these bad reviews aren't even necessarily actually a bad thing, right? Of course, having too many is a problem, right? If you're, you're, you're ranking, if your, your star rating goes below like a 4.0, you're going to start having trouble. Like you don't, you don't want that. Okay, but if you're staying above like a 4.0 and you're generally getting more good reviews than bad reviews, then your best defense against bad reviews is an aggressive offense. Okay, because you just get more. Because first of all, you're going to bury them. People are going to pay attention to those. All right. And if you're, and if people see that the overall ratio is like nine to one, right? Good to good to bad, they don't even worry about those bad reviews. They're like, whatever. They had a couple of people who are kind of crazy and they look at them and they try to understand. Usually the crazy people make themselves pretty obviously crazy. Okay. Now, if you did something very unethical and they can prove that, like that's not going to be good. You're going to have to deal with that. And that, then that comes down to your response, right? And so sometimes operational failures happen, right? You didn't mean to bill that person $5,000 extra, something bad happened to that person, you know, that, and, but you can put a response that says, hey, we actually care about dealing with this and you can make it right. And then people are fine with it. Like, yeah, well, things, people understand that things go wrong sometimes. And if you can prove that like, hey, you're going to be a, a normal human rational being who can like work with them through that experience and they actually feel reassured by that bad review. So the point is like, Worrying about a bad review is not a good excuse to not go for good reviews because first of all, it's not as bad as you think about it. Second of all, people are not likely to leave bad reviews. And third of all, if you do the response well, people actually feel reassured by it. And fourth of all, at the end of the day, people actually want to see a couple of bad reviews. People actually prefer it. Okay. So like all the excuses, and there are more, and I'm not going to go through all of them. There are far more. At the end of the day, like none of them come up to the value of, again, 25% of your calls can be directly attributed to your reviews, right? And that's not even considering the fact that, hey, we can increase your current, I'm talking about your current call volume. We can increase your call volume because 35% of your ranking factor on Google business, which we were talking about, how do we increase call volume is directly attributed to reviews. Is it everything? No, but that's a really big lever. Okay, that is a really big lever that if we're putting consistent effort in every month to get even just two or three reviews a month, over a period of a year, you add 24, 30, 40, 50 reviews. Okay, and that review velocity combined with that review count, you start building up what's known as your market share or your share of local voice in your market, which means say somebody does a Google search for you, you're never going to own the number one spot, number two, number three spot, hundred percent of the time that never exists ever. Even if it looks like somebody does, they don't ever. It's always changing. But what you can do is you can increase that percentage. So say you start out at 3%, you can get up to 6%, you can get up to 12%, right? And that correlation, what's that's going to correlate with is as you show up more percentage of the time, you have more of the market share you're going to see a similar increase in phone calls, okay? And reviews at a 35% of the ranking factor is a huge, huge lever you can pull. So it's worth it to be far more aggressive than you ever thought you should be because mostly people aren't going to leave a bad review and it's just worth it profitably to just go get those reviews. So my advice to everyone is ask every single person every time. Now, here's a cool tip. This is a pro tip for everyone listening. This will change your game, okay? Most lawyers believe that they can only get a review from a paying, happy client. And that is not true. The only requirement is they had to have gotten some legitimate legal value from you, okay? So for example, you're an estate planning lawyer 
And every quarter, you're going to go speak to 60 people in a nursing home for a two-hour uh, estate planning seminar. Maybe you're going to get three, four clients out of it. But at the end of it, I had a client do this, ask them to leave a review. And you'll get 15, 20 reviews right there from the 60 people in the room because you just gave two hours of value. All right. I've got lawyers who get three to five reviews a month from their free consultations because they spend a lot of time. They do the, they do well with these people. They try to give them advice. They try to tell them where to go next. And maybe they speak too much and it's not great for sales and whatever. But if they're going to do it anyways, at least get a review out of it. You just spent an hour with this person or 30 minutes with this person. And if you feel like they got, you know, they gave you, if they feel like you gave them value, if you ask them to leave a review, they'll do it. So I've got lawyers who get three to five reviews a month just from their free consultations. Not to mention if they do webinars, if they do seminars. I mean, I had one guy where he had no other source of reviews and I was like, all right, man, we're going to get your reviews. And I'm like, well, this is what we're going to do. He, he's in Los Angeles. I joined a Facebook group called Los Angeles Assistance, which is like a group of 35,000 people in it of people just trying to help each other. Okay. It's a very active group, very well-modded group. And I made a deal with the owner of the group. And I said, Hey, I got a lawyer here who's willing to do a live Q and A with people. If, if you'll be okay with him asking for reviews. All right. And then he got like 10 plus reviews doing this live Q and A in a Facebook group. So there's, there's endless sources of ways that you can get legitimate reviews as long as you provide legitimate value, whether that's through Q&A, through seminars, through webinars, through free consultations, through whatever. If you gave legitimate value to that person, you can ask for a review. And that will change your review generation game. I also want to point out that if you're the type of person who's worried about getting a bad review, your, your problem is not, uh, is not a review problem. You have a, a customer service, a people problem, um, maybe the way that you, you treat people problem. Um, there's, there's something larger at work there. Um, but I also do want to point out that maybe this will give you a, a separate point of inspiration, but I have a, what we do here is like a monthly subscription, right? If you pay for the month, you get the call center. Um, and I actually send out review requests to customers who have canceled with us. Nice. Uh, yeah. Because based on the reason that you cancel is, you know, maybe, Maybe the, the service didn't meet your expectations. Maybe you didn't need it anymore. Maybe you are uh, downsizing. Maybe you're retiring. And I get a lot of good feedback that way that, uh, that other people can see. And, and usually, because I don't really have a customer service problem and, and, we, and we try to treat people in all the same way that they need to be treated, um, yeah, I'm, I'm able to send out monthly review requests to people who cancel. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I, we have a similar effect here and I just want to comment on it real quick because I know you got more. Uh, but, you know, one of the big things that we talk about for us is, you know, we offer a three month profit guarantee, which basically means, hey, I'm going to run this lead generation campaign for you. And if you stick with me for at least three months, all right, I guarantee by the end of that three months that based on your gross profit, which for most lawyers is 60 to 80%, we guarantee that this campaign will have made you 100% profitability, i.e. all your money back and it becomes sustainable in that time period of three months. And if it didn't, we'll work for free for up to three more months after that. And if we fail, even after six total months, I'm actually going to refund all your money. Okay. So by the end of that, and I'm not here to make a pitch. I'm actually typing into what you're saying here, uh, which is by the end of that, nobody's mad at me. Nobody hates me. No, everybody knows I tried my butt off, right? Like, have I fulfilled the guarantee? Like I've never gotten to the point where I had to refund somebody. We always get it profitable, you know, maybe a month or two afterwards, uh, but nobody's mad at me. They're always like, Hey man, I feel like you were honorable and you, you did well by me and you tried. Right. And so like, even if I fulfill the guarantee, I don't have people who leave, who leave bad reviews. I did everything I could to be honorable. My customer service was excellent. I, I, I stuck true to who I was with my integrity and people were thrilled. I had no problem. So I, I can ask for reviews and even get testimonials, video testimonials from people who cancel for whatever reason. Uh, I love that. Uh, I find that really, 
I find it kind of funny, right? Because people will be like, oh, like I'm worried about the getting this bad review. It, it just means that you didn't try hard enough to make it right. Um, yeah. And again, what I'm talking about is, is a separate problem. Uh, I do, I want to talk about this. So we talked about a lot of basics and we, we even sort of discussed, you asked me before uh, if I wanted like a high level overview or this or, or tutorial stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I want to get into like, is there anything attorneys can do with their Google business profile that, that they aren't even aware that they can do with it? Um, like besides, because yes. personally, I'm not even aware that, that you could go into like your products and services and all of that, that different type of offering stuff and just type in, I thought you could select from, from, uh, from categories. Um, yep. So, yeah, you can do categories are part of your info section. That's the default, right? So if you're a divorce lawyer, you put divorce. If you're a personal injury, you put personal injury. But they added a couple of years ago a separate section for services and products where you can actually manually type in literally all your services and all your products, which mm -hmm. is game changer, right? Um, but uh, moving on from like, okay, but what are the things you can do? And I think this is a good time to talk about. I mentioned earlier, like what can you do on a consistent basis? Okay, that proactive stuff. I was telling you that Google My Business is not a set and forget platform in the least, Okay. Uh, some of the more obvious stuff we'll talk about that first is you can upload uh, photos every uh, every week. We usually do at least one per week. Even a stock photo is better than no photo. Photo Google just wants to see activity. Um, ideally, you're taking a photo of you and your team, or a selfie, or you're at an event, or you're with a client, or you're with uh, you're at the courthouse, or you're taking a photo of the courthouse or something local. And you can get all into that fancy geotagging stuff if you want. I, I have found it's a very minor optimization that I don't waste my time with uh, personally. Um, does it have an effect? Yes. Do I think it's worth stressing about it? No, not in the least. Uh, but anyways, point is if you can upload a real photo, great. If you can't, even a stock photo is better than nothing. Cause again, Google likes Google. They want to see that you're active on your profile. Uploading anything is better than nothing. Uh, outside of photos, you've got posts. So that's kind of like a social media platform. Let me be very clear. No one reads those posts. If they do, it doesn't really matter how many profile views or, or post views you get. They're going to send you an email. Your post got 10 views. First of all, no one actually read it. It just happened to show up on the, 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 the profile when they were looking at your profile. They did not read that post. They don't care. Nobody cares, okay? Nobody's gonna read that post. It's a horrible social platform. Again, that's not the point though. You do it not for the views. You do it because guess what? Google likes Google, okay? So you're gonna make the post because Google wants to see that activity. And of course, you can also link to blog posts, the things that prove that you're an expert and that you're an authority. You can you know, put keywords in the post. I mean, there's a lot of kind of micro-optimization you can put in there. But again, Google likes Google. They mostly wanna see the activity consistently. That proves you're putting in the grunt work that nobody else in your market is, okay? So posts, photos, we already talked about reviews. One of the things we should talk about with reviews is it does actually matter that you respond to those reviews. Google wants to see you responding to those reviews. It's also an easy opportunity to throw in a couple extra keywords um, talking about like, hey, I'm so glad that you found our divorce services acceptable. We always strive to do our best by our clients needing child custody and uh, whatever. I mean, depending on the situation, you can make it super relevant, but it's an easy throw in, right? Just throw a keyword in there too. Like, you know, you don't have to, I and mean, you can just say thank you, but why just say thank you? And you can just throw in some more, right? It's an easy marketing message. Just throw it in. So we try to throw it in. And then outside of that, the kind of final thing, this is actually the thing I'd say most people don't know about at all. Uh, and it's, 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 it's awesome, which is questions and answers. Okay. So questions and answers have existed on Google My Business for a while, but most people think that you only use it when somebody asks a question. But let me tell you what no user has ever done. Asked a question that they actually want an answer to in any timely fashion on your Google business profile. That's not what they do. They're going to call you or they're going to fill out your form or they're going to Google the answer themselves. They're not going to waste the time posting on your Google business profile for God knows when you actually take the time to answer it. Nobody does that. So nobody uses it. Okay. But 
if you're willing to use it, you can ask yourself a question. You just use another account. So we have an account called Gail Poster. So we call it Gail Poster. Her name's Gail Poster. And she just asks the question. So every month we ask our accounts, every account, 10 questions a month. All right. And so that'll be a question series. It's a family lawyer. What is child custody? What is mediation? What is collaborative divorce? What, and you can do, we've got hundreds of questions, right? I've, I've got questions lined up for years. Okay. And they're, and they're, when we write them, they're fairly general. So we're not getting too much into the law. So it doesn't change. So the questions or answers are always relevant. You know, they're always going to be like, you know, in divorce, you would generally have these options. And we're not going to, we're not going to super get into the, the minutiae so that it doesn't go out of date. But anyways, the point is we ask ourselves these 10 questions and then you get to add like 500 plus characters of words to that answer. So like every month, we're just adding like a thousand words to that profile every month. So by the end of the year, we've added 12,000 words, 12,000, 12,000 words to that profile. In addition to those hundred services, in addition to those 30 to 50 products, in addition to the 750 characters that we put into the profile itself, in addition to all the posts, right? In addition to all the photos. And again, you get to the point here, it's just a lot of grunt work, but if you put it in, oh my God, is there a lot you can do? And again, Google ice Google. So you're just putting all this effort in, you're proving you're an expert, you're proving that you've got authority. You're doing it consistently. You're building trust over time. You're getting those reviews. And by the end of it, Google's like, dang, these guys are no joke. They put in the effort and they reward it. I mean, I've got one lawyer right now. This, is, this goes to prove to you that you know reviews aren't everything. She hasn't gotten a review in like two months, okay? She's only got like 24 reviews and she's in a market like Houston, okay? She's generating like 100 plus calls a month and her market share like actually doubled recently because Google finally decided to appreciate all the grunt work we're putting in. It happens. Like reviews have the benefit of you get quick results faster. So it's really cool. And it's nice. It gives a really fast boost. Think of it like an adrenaline shot, but all this grunt work, that's the grunt work. That means long-term you actually get the big gains and you sustain those big gains. Okay. So in her area, and she's only in the, like a Fort Bend, which is a specific County. That's all she serves. She's got like a 40% market share. All right. And this is outside of Houston. That's huge. That's a ridiculous number, all right? She's generating hundreds of calls a month and making plenty of money on it and is hiring, okay? And that's with 24 reviews and she's not getting new ones. So her velocity is not there. Her review count's not there. Some of her competitors have hundred plus reviews, but she's still competing because guess what? We're doing all the grunt work that nobody else in her market's willing to do. And it's, it's, it's paying off. So questions and answers are huge because it's just an easy way to add thousands of words to your profile uh, and almost no one in your market is doing it. Uh, a lot of other people in your market also aren't doing products. They also aren't doing services. A lot of these things I've mentioned, most people aren't putting this grunt work in because most lawyers think of Google business as purely a set and forget platform. Okay. And they're certainly not putting aggressive work into getting reviews. Right. So that's another thing. But anyways, the point is most people aren't putting this grunt work in and all of it pays off over time. You'll, you'll get that market share gain. You're a lot of fun, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I just like, I like creative solutions to, uh, to what seem like complicated problems, but it's not complicated. Uh, stop treating Google business profile as a static, uh, like non-changing thing. Yep. Um, make, and, and it's the same thing with like old school SEO, right? Like you used to say like, okay, we have to put up X amount of blog posts per month, new web page, new landing page for this campaign. How do we get more visitors? Well, it's the, it's the same philosophy, except using the tools like you're talking about. Google loves Google. That's my new favorite thing <laughs> i'm surprised you've heard it before I, I didn't invent it dude i, take I no want credit. that on a t-shirt google loves google i just like i want like a google heart go I, I want it um, <laughs> i'm sure it exists I, you you're probably right um but you just made my day with that uh 
So if we find one, we should link to it. <laughs> Give him a little. Uh, <laughs> um, so obviously, uh, everything that we're talking about here, and 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 all of the uh, the podcasts that that Ronnie mentioned before is going to be linked in the description. But I do want to. Before we wrap up today, I want to give you the chance to talk a little bit about Noble Marketing um, because that's like your baby, right? Yep. Um, can you give us a breakdown on what your company provides, um, how you can help growing law firms take their Google marketing strategies to the next level? Yeah, man. At the end of the day, uh, we're exactly what we say we are. We're a lead generation uh, service for lawyers. We use Google Bit My Business, Google Business Profile. We do also use Google Ads. And for our, our highest tier of people who are ready for it, we do, do use webinars. Uh, because webinars have the incredible power, like we talked about earlier, to be uh, used for reviews. So even if you're, you're very bad at converting webinars into clients, which you can usually get a couple clients out of it, you can actually use automated evergreen webinars to get reviews on Google Business. So that has a lovely looping effect. Okay, so positive feedback is a big thing that we're aware of. But anyways, the point is we're a lead generation company uh, using those three assets. And the big thing about us is we guarantee profitability. We're very focused on profitability. There's a reason I don't do Facebook uh, like the organic Facebook. I don't do organic Twitter. I don't do, I don't do organic LinkedIn. Not saying those campaigns can't make profit, but I have not found that they're the 20% that drive 80% of results. So we only, only strictly do things that we are very certain are going to make you money and grow your firm. So you'll come to us, you'll say, hey, I want to double my firm by this time. I'll say, great, this is what we need to do. And we guarantee that within three months, we'll have hit profitability. And the reason we care about that in three months, especially with a bear market coming upon us and a potential recession is the name of the game here is sustainability, okay? If we can hit profitability in three months, what that allows us to do is at that point, marketing is paying for more marketing. And that's the goal, right? If marketing pays for more marketing, then you can sustain this campaign over the long term. Am I saying that we're gonna get all of our results in the first three months? Heck no, we're barely, we're, we're barely gonna be able to, to you know, in some cases, we barely are able to get to that profitability because we're really trying to push it really fast. Like Google isn't usually a platform that's, that's very happy trying to be that fast, but we're, we're pushing it with our grunt work. And oftentimes we blow it out of the water. It's no problem. And, you know, I'd say we, we, we have a success rate there. But anyways, the point is we're trying to get to sustainable in that first three months. And even if we have to fulfill the guarantee and we get to sustainable in four months or five months or even at six months, whenever we get sustainable, the point is, is at once we're sustainable, well, then we can afford that campaign ongoing because it's paying for itself. And that's where we start seeing those incremental massive gains because compounding interest comes into play, right? And when you're coming to this bear market and the recession market, you don't have a lot of financial risk. You can't put you know, you can't afford like the big guys, they can afford 12 months of $100,000 a month into a billboard campaign or a radio ad campaign because they're willing and ready to wait two years or three years for that money to come back to them. Mm -hmm. You don't have that luxury. If you're listening to this podcast, I almost guarantee you don't have that luxury. No offense. If some Morgan and Morgan guy is here, I love that you're here. I apologize. I, 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 don't, I don't know why you're here, but cool. Thanks, man. <laughs> they know we're not talking about him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we're not talking about that yeah. guy. Uh, but for the majority of the people who listen, you know, they don't have this, they're not in a position to make a giant risk, right? That they, they need to see that quick ROI. And the benefit is not only do you get to see that quick ROI, but then we get to sustainable. And my goal is three months or within six months, we get to sustainability where marketing pays for more marketing and we get to grow and blow that out of the water where it's not uncommon that we have people who double their firm in one year. Like that happens. I got a person who's doing that right now. She was doing 180,000. Now she's doing 400,000 and is trying to hire her next staff, right? And that happened within six months in this case, actually. Um, happens all the time. Uh, so the point is, uh, if you're looking for somebody who really is focused on profitability, you do need more leads, you need more cases, come talk to me. My email is rdiver, D as in dog, E-A-V as in Victor, E-R at noblemarketing.co. I'm sure Nick will provide a link. Um, that's the easiest way to get contact with me. 
Um, and I, I want to talk to you. I want to help you out. It doesn't matter what you're in. If you're in family law, criminal, immigration, I can work with almost anybody. Fortunately, Google Business works for pretty much any form of law uh, and we can make it work. And especially if we start, we didn't talk about it today, but Google Ads is in fact a great way that you can pay for more leads. It really is a game of, hey, maybe you pay 500 bucks for a case, but then you make $3,000, $4,000 on that case. It's awesome, right? So, uh, and of course, there's a positive feedback loop because inevitably, if you run a Google ad, what do people do? I mentioned this, all roads lead to Google business. You do a Google ad, they Google your name or they see your name and then they, or say they, they click your ad and they go to your landing page. Inevitably, they Google your name and then they call it from Google business, okay? And as always, Google likes Google. Now they'll never say this. They will never say it, but I cannot tell you that I haven't seen a correlation between my clients who run Google ads and my clients who have success with Google business. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying anecdotally, I can't, Google will never admit it. But if you run Google ads, your Google business tends to do better. Maybe it's just because of the, you know, the effect I just talked about that people do more branded searches for your name after the fact. Maybe it really is something in the background. I don't know. But the point is they work really well together and you have a positive feedback loop. So if you need leads, if you need cases, and you want to work with somebody who guarantees their work and is guaranteed that you'll, you'll make profitability with it, come talk to me. I want to help you out. And he's a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> Thanks. I can tell from- I'm just passionate about what I do, man. Hey, listen, not the first time we've spoken and- uh, and I was looking forward to this. So uh, uh, I do want to, I want to give you a special thank you, Ronnie. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I uh, want to give a, a, a special also thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this conversation. We will be back with another episode of Everything Except the Law soon. Be sure to check out previous episodes of our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, the Answering Legal YouTube channel. Ronnie, I'm sure we'll be back on the show to talk more in depth about other uh conspiracies about google that that i get to come back oh that's exciting i want to come back dude (laughs) Uh, no thank you again for joining us and uh see you next time everyone